Welcome to Politics Done Right. I am your host, Egberto Willis. This is a progressive program that will take the mystery out of politics. This is the program that will encourage you to make sure government becomes we the people. Whether you are liberal, progressive, conservative, or otherwise, you get to hear your point of view. We are an independent media outlet that, unlike mainstream media beholden to corporations, we only owe allegiance to you. Remember, you can also send me a tweet at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. That is at Egberto Willis. Let us engage. It is politics done right. Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Radamek Berta with your host. Thank you so kindly for being a part of the show. We are going to have a great show for you today. Let's go ahead and get busy. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Michael, welcome aboard. Michael Rodnan, welcome aboard. Uh, let's see who else is here. Welcome aboard. Paul Fleming, welcome aboard. Uh, hey, you're early, Paul. Bridge MCP. Hola a todos. I love that. She is my, my Irish Latina. Bridge MCP, Egberto, what's with you? Your email, try to respond to that. Woman's post ended up messaging you a word file. Huh? You uh, tried to respond to that woman's post and it ended up messaging you a word file? Really? Wow, I don't know. Uh, it should just, you should have, it should have worked normally. Let's talk about that offline. I don't know what happened there. Michael says, first Father's Day without my father. Don't want to talk about it any more than that. I'm just going to tell you, I know I've been there, so I, I get you, brother. I get you, brother. Deborah John from L.A., welcome aboard. Bridge MCP replying to Michael Rudnan. Dito, Michael, got you. Egberto, your public loved your work on MSNBC. Host Joshua admonishing Chris. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Okay, let's go ahead and get to E2247. It was on CNN. Okay, let's go. Uh, tomorrow is NYC's... Ranked choice voice voting election take an hour to learn about the candidates. Yes, uh, but we are not in New York, so most most of us are not in New York. All right, defend public housing from NGOs too. To have proper social uh, housing, we must reject private sector control, even from nonprofits. It's simple: public housing must be publicly owned. It's usually recommended that no more than thirty percent of earnings should go to rent. But for low-wage workers, such a suggestion is an impossibility. There's just not enough affordable housing to go around. I often wonder how people can live when most of their earnings go to rent. Utilities, they hustle. Uh, if you go to Panama, Panama is a place where people know how to hustle because you do have the plutocracy out there ripping them off. But you know what? They get back at the plutocracies in many, many different ways. Okay, let's see what else we got here. Bernie Sanders seeks... $6 trillion infrastructure package, which Senate Democrats are considering passing without GOP. Yes, they are. And that's a good thing, isn't it? That is a good thing. Uh, let's continue here. Uh, bear with me, guys. I need to check uh, live channel, live channel. Okay, came on live, 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 live. Okay, seems like we did get some. All right, uh, continuing. Bipartisan infrastructure talks collide uh, with Democrats' goal to tax rich. Many Democrats see the push for an infrastructure package as an opportunity to raise taxes on rich individuals and corporations, but resistance is coming from multiple directions. This makes no sense whatsoever. I agree with you that it makes no sense, but what you going to do? 
what you going to do. Is <laughs> You all remember that thing? What you going to do if it comes from you or something like that. I, I, you know me. I always get those things wrong. All right. Um, let's see. Michael Rudnan has a couple more. We will not stop pipeline opponents ready for America's biggest environmental fight. Our nation needs to shift to 100% renewables by 2030. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Let's say what else is he saying here? Uh, to have any chance of preventing, yeah, to have any chance of preventing global warming from getting out of humanity's hands. If we continue building pipelines and fail, we know where we're heading to. Um, folks, I don't, you know, um, I cont it continue to behoove me, and I, I, I don't want to pontif pontificate too much on this, but it continues to behoove me that we have to ask people to somehow do right. It just behooves me. It behooves me. That, that's all I'm going to say right now. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. The record temperature involved in the West are not your average heat wave. Our nation's infrastructure is about to be tested. If then it fails, we'll demonstrate the need to Green New Deal. I'm not happy about this as it will likely come to at a price of a lot of Americans' heat-related debts. That is a big fear, Rudnan. Big fear. Lake Mead's decline points to scary water future in the West at this rate. How long until they're dry? Civilization cannot continue without portable water. You know, it's worse than that, right? There are 4 million homes or more that are powered by the Hoover Dam. Uh, and the thing about it is, the water levels are kind of dropping below the intake or to where you can actually make effective electricity. So I don't know what they're going to do. I honestly do not know what they're going to do. Anyhow, uh, let's see what else I have from my, my peeps here before I go to the first video. Politics Done Right with Egberto Williams. Your info at mail is not working. Info at politicsdoneright.com is not working. What happened? Did it come back to you or something? Info at politicsdoneright.com should work. I'll check that when I go through the next video. Uh, let's see. Address not found. Your message wasn't delivered. Info at politics done. Oh, that says politics done tight, not politics done right. <laughs> uh, I think it's the, 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 what, the domain is politicsdoneright.com. That's what it should be. Info at politicsdoneright.com. My two oldest children were working at one cent money. The other would call and say, She's talking about taking me out to dinner. The youngest came by with gifts for me. Oh, Paul, that was so nice. Eric Hayes, Amazon is having their prime sales. Yes, I know. More people out of business. Eric got to have money even for sales. Let's see. Linda Joe Kessinger. Hey, everyone. Eric Hayes. Oh, so is Walmart too? Their online sales to be interesting to see how long online. Don't know what you're saying there, my brother. Egberto, are you only seeing the first 200 characters? Yes, I think that's, a, that's what happens with the... Um, Oh, no, 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 no. Um, there are certain things, uh, Michael, where I cut off if I think it doesn't add any more information. If, I, if you think I missed something, just point it out. You have to have pipes as the other is a complement and part of the picture. Bridge MCP. Oh, oh, I see. It's politics done. <laughs> I, must, then I must have made a mistake when I put that thing there. Let's see. 37% full at Hoover. That is crazy. I, I read that. Roberto Lewis, if you're a hustler, you will survive all the time. It pays to be a hustler with enthusiasm. You know, uh, Roberto, we are from Panama, and you know in Colón, they don't pay people enough, and the one thing people do in Colón is survive. 
and they know how to hustle. And that's how a lot of people make it. Just hustling is very hard. Anyway, the first video I want to show you guys is about it's um, a question that was made to Jen Psaki at the press conference today. And I want you to see how she handled it. And I'm going to tie that into a women's issue that I think that um, Bridge MCP was talking about. Check this out and we'll take it on the other side. Jeff Saki did a great job in deflecting uh, an early, a comment or a question from a reporter who wanted to know if the president believed that a 15-week-old um, fetus was alive or something to that effect. And she deflected it pretty well. But before I go to the little clips, a very short clip, why is it that the those in power, those that are doing so much evil, always put a uh, somehow gets a woman to ask a question that is... In my uh, pertaining to a woman specifically, to try to uh, uh, create some negative press that hurts women. Uh, if I'm wrong, women, please let me know. But I, I find it bewildering. Anyhow, take a listen to it, and then we'll take it on the other side. One last question. Sure. Um, does the president believe that a 15-week-old unborn baby is a human being? Are you asking me if the president supports a woman's right to choose? He does. Go ahead. I think, I think she handles it, handled it perfectly, right? In other words, the woman asked a question about sort of an abortion question, and she went ahead and just said, look, the president supports the right to life. That was so perfectly done because she didn't even allow, she didn't even allow a discussion on the issue. But you know what is disconcerting? Um, Earlier, or not earlier today, but yesterday I, I wrote a little piece on my blog. I wanted to hear from women specifically, anybody but specifically women. I wrote, this is not a joke. I want answers and discussion. I am watching Fareed Sakadia. As you know, the Taliban discriminates against women. They are now calling, they are now calling, or they are now claiming women will have the right of education, etc., but wearing a hijab under their rule will be required. I immediately frowned. Women should have all rights as men, in my humble opinion, in America. A woman is not allowed to go out topless while men can. We even have a sect that wants to tell women what to do with their bodies. I have realized for some time that one of our major problems is men, patriarchy. And I'm not sure how different it is in most countries of the world, including ours. Ours is just more familiar to us. I have a lot more to say, but want to be guided by your comments. Uh, so there's one answer that got to me. One of my readers gave an answer, and she said, Egberto, it's not clear what you're asking do we think the Taliban is telling the truth? Do we think all rights should be equal? I replied to her and I said, look, it has less to do with the Taliban proper and more with the perspective and human behavior. I'm not trying to figure out subjective discernment of bad or good. Let me give an example. We believe many Muslim governments oppress their population and women in particular. Many of these countries do not have a voting democracy, but still we do not see any sort of mass exodus. There is a sort of indoctrination. They believe that is just how things are. We purport to have a voting democracy where all, and specifically women here, 
have the right to vote for those who would provide all and particularly women full rights, and yet a substantial number of women vote for Republicans who oppress them. I want to see where the discussion goes because the similarities when viewed from the outside are astounding, but we are trained to see it based on whatever type of indoctrination we allowed ourselves to absorb. And I continued. All these things so tied together and it makes massive change it takes massive changes that more effortful to many in my humble opinion or too too many in my humble opinion are too comfortable in the belief that the way things are are the way they should be as if divine and not something effectively forced on those who had the ability to do so and i got a very good response from her and she said when it comes to the rights and treatment of women I believe it is much more than just going along because that's the way things are. We see revolution and change throughout civiliz- have changed throughout civilizations. I can't think of a single time when there has been a cultural revolution to specifically address real equality for women. I'm not a trained historian, so perhaps it's happened, but it's not in any history book I've read. I have long wondered at how the world can sit back and watch the treatment of women in many of the Middle Eastern countries. It's baffling to me. Perhaps even more amazing is how in a democracy where, of course, half the electorate are women, there is no demand that the U.S. stop supporting those governments. I can't begin to explain American women who vote for people who do not support them. Sure, there are lots of answers from talkers on cable news show. They say they are voting as their husbands or call them security moms or say they are directed to by, directed to by their religion, etc. But none of those so-called answers really explain it. Women are not a priority here or any in the world. And the world is worse for it. Folks, I, I said say all to the I, I came on to all of this based on what this woman asked Jen Saki. She wants to talk about a president who supports women and women's issue and make an issue out of it by turning it into a cultural issue. We have to get better than that. We definitely have to get better than that. So, I mean, that really touched on me uh, when I heard that. Let's see. We have an echo. Are you guys still hearing an echo? Are you echoing with me right now? Okay. Audio video is fine on YouTube. Egberto, wasn't there some issue with Biden and the church? Yeah. The, 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 the bishops want to prevent Biden from taking communion because he supports women's choice. I say bring it on. I say, okay, bishops, go ahead and excommunicate the president from being able to take communion. And what the president should do is start passing laws that says uh, churches are no longer tax-exempt for getting into politics. Remember, churches can't go into politics. Anyhow, the second video I want to show you guys has to do with, um, uh, with the defund the police, the hypocrisy of defund the police. Check this out, and then we'll take it on the other side. The theory is that defund the police somehow is going to increase crime and 
all that sort of thing. And they, the people who support the defund, defund police moniker has been really getting hit. Look at the crime that's happening. And now you're talking about defund the police. Well, you know what? Uh, listen to what uh, Brittany has to say. She has an interesting take, a more, a, a more prescient state. And I think when you listen to her, you'll realize that we have a lot of work to do as far as messaging is concerned. But the reality is there's much more to do. Check this out. We'll take it on the other side. Brittany, tomorrow is primary day for New York's mayoral race. Crime is the number one issue among Democrats. Those are the people voting. What does that say about the defund the police movement? Do people know what it means? Do they know what it is? Do they know what they want? So, Stephanie, I think it's important to begin with the simple fact that all of us, and I do mean all of us, want safer communities. Everyone wants and deserves mm -hmm. to be able to walk out of their home, walk freely on the street, play with their child, and ensure that everyone is safe while doing so. But what we also know to be true is that defunding the police is not just about taking money out of an institution that continues to prove ineffective. It's also about refunding the people. It's about ensuring that the services that people need to ensure safe communities from the ground up are actually being funded and resourced to their full capacity. I think that there are a lot of police unions and GOP operatives that would like for us to believe that this recent crime wave has everything to do with this idea of defunding the police. But guess what, Stephanie? The police haven't been funded. You actually look at the 50 largest cities law enforcement spending as a share of the general expenditure in each of those cities actually rose slightly from 13.6% to 13.7%. And many of the cities that have talked about removing that money, like Minneapolis and Seattle, they've actually paused or slowed how they were thinking about moving that money. So this rising crime is not the fault of the movement. It's actually the fault of the police. And this has been our point all along. Why should we keep funding systems and institutions that keep rendering themselves ineffective? We should be talking about gun control, livable wages, fair housing, education. That's where we should be moving the money to, to ensure truly safe streets. And that is the point. Again, solving the real problems instead of using a hammer to knock out the problems that's created by your by spending too much on in, in effective what she's saying in effect this is what she's saying we have funded the police we have given the police a lot of money that could have been gone that could have gone otherwise to empower people and that empowerment of people would have created less crimes but instead what we get is all that funding going to police officers all that funding going to police departments to buy a whole lot of crap to to, to really hurt people and you get more crime because the people's the people are less satisfied with, or not less satisfied, but they get less resources to improve their lives. And of course, it's a snowball effect. And guess what? We are seeing the snowball with the increase in crime. It's a shame. She's right. Yes, she's right. So I hope people really understand what's going on there. They're saying we've constantly increased the budget of the police. Remember, we always talk about uh, we always talk about results. We always talk about equity. We always talking about uh, er, uh, meritocracy. Let's get real here. Every year, the police gets more money relative to the budget, and every time in the last few years, crimes have increased. We have proven 
that increased police budgets do not solve crimes. Increased police budgets do not reduce violence. Why not tackle the problem where we really have? Or why not tackle the real problem? What is the real problem? The real problem is economics. And how do we say exactly what do we mean? Now that everybody has to work so hard, mommy and daddy has to put so many hours in. Children are left unsupervised. Unsupervised children turn out to children that's not as well-disciplined. And not as well-disciplined children grow up to be not as well-disciplined adults. And we get the entire cycle of violence, cycle of all these other issues. Why? Because we didn't invest in people. We invested in police. We invested in things to hurt people. Now, the, 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 the fact that progressives have a hard time with narrative, because again, defund the police without uh, telling the narrative allows the right to say, violence is increasing and who takes care of you when there's violence? The police. I mean, somebody like me says, no, if there's violence against me and I call the police, I'm likely to be the one arrested. But you get it. You get it. Crime is increasing. We're putting more but we're more money into police. Crime is increasing. And Eric is wrong again. Crime is increasing due in part to the rogue judges letting some criminals back out. On No, again, start from the beginning. Why are there criminals in the first place? Thank you. Anyway, uh, we have a little, fun, a little fun here that we want to have with El Senor... Um, uh, Rudnan, he wants me to put this on the screen for y'all, so I'll do it. Sorry, I lost track. What are we praying for? Is the first thing. We are praying, Sister Tibani, that God might see fit to help the poor. And we're in a church. We're in a church. If you want to help them, why not melt this God guy down and pass him out like coins? Cut out the middleman. Right, guys? Blasphemer! How dare you bring logic into God's house? You see, it's a God made of gold. And they're praying next to a God made of gold. Why not turn the God made of gold into money, right? No middleman? That, that is a funny one. A lot of people won't get it, but it's a funny one. Um, all right, let's see. Okay, Eric, you just say, nope, murderers. Let me ask you the question, Eric. How are murderers created, Eric? What created murderers, Eric? Please give an answer to that. Linda Joe Kessinger, maybe it should have been called provide other kinds of professionals to support police. I know, but it's so, that is so long, Kessinger. That is so long. Uh, let's see what else we have here that I need to talk. Many people, Luke Kessinger says, many people never read the articles or listen to the discussion. They hear buzzwords, defund the police. You know, that is sad, but it's true. Uh, that is so true. Uh, Michael Rudin said, desperation that comes from poverty is the leading cause of crime. If you want to lower crime rates, elevate people out of poverty, and you'll see a marked decrease in crime. Instead, society is putting more than half our discretionary funding into police and military. Arnold, you're so right. You're so right. Okay, let's see. Thanks, Paul Fleming, for agreeing. It is the judges here in Houston. Let's see what Paul, I don't think that's what Paul Fleming would have said, but let me see what Paul said. Uh, I don't think that's what Paul Fleming said. If churches want to voice their opinion and lobby to get Supreme Court, they should ta- be taxed the churches. I agree with you 
wholeheartedly. Her, Eric says, murder is murder. No creation needed. Just justice for the victims. Okay. What should we... Okay. I want everybody to listen. Uh, uh, my, my brother, Eric, Her, Eric Hayes, is a conservative guy, a law and order guy. That is who he is. And he's very black and white. In other words, if you commit a murder, you just go to jail. Everything is bad because you're a bad person, because you killed innocent people. Um, what should we do to all the people who founded this country and killed indiscriminately many, many natives, blacks, and others? Those were murders. Were they, uh, how did they get created? Uh, should they pay a price? Should we right now in our society blame, banish them from any sort of support because they committed that heinous crime that you think is so bad, Mr. Eric Hayes? Should we go to all those generals that signed treaties with the natives and then when they found gold, summarily went across and murdered them, massacred them, and then took care of the spoils, and many of them today we consider heroes. Is that, if you want to be black and white, if you want to be absolute, if you want to be law and order, should that be the case? Uh, let's have an answer, Mr. Hayes. Let's get an answer. Okay, uh, it's 3.30, so it's time for me to do my ask. I want to ask all my folks on and you know what? I didn't bring, I didn't get to get my email out today. For some reason, it's not working. But anyhow, for those of you that are here on YouTube, please go ahead and click that join button. Become a part of our PDR posse, please. Um, that is how we continue to get the message out. That is how we continue to get this message out. Uh, if you want, you can also get our cup, PDR posse cup, designed by Bridge MCP. And by doing so, you're supporting our very hard work here to get the message out, to get all the material out. If you don't see a join button on YouTube or if you're listening on some other platform, please go to politicsunright.com slash YouTube. Politicsunright.com slash YouTube. That's another way of joining. Alternatively, you can support us by joining our Patreon. We need a lot of Patreon as well. Politicsdoneright.com slash Patreon. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And if you want to be uh, more supportive, you can also support us at PayPal. Politicsdoneright.com slash PayPal. Politicsdoneright.com slash PayPal. Anything that you purchase, if you buy our, the, our books at our store, and let me put our books on, on screen again. If you purchase our books at our store, I'll send you a... Bumper sticker free of charge, as well as sign in the book. And, you know, I may put some other goodies in there. Uh, so you can get that at politicsandright.com slash store. But if you want, like, to get the ebook instead of a hard copy book, and if you want to get things quicker or whatever, you can always go to politicsandright.com slash books, and you can get them all at Amazon. That's a list of all our books that we have out there. Tom C. says, justice for the victims of gun violence. Yes. Let's start with sensible gun control, ban assault weapons to start with. And I think just like 
if you have a car and you're responsible for your car and somebody hurts somebody with a car and it's a defect within the car, the car people have to work at it. I think it should be the same thing with guns. I think if you have a gun, you need to have insurance to own a gun so that if somebody inadvertently get hurt with that gun, they are taken care of. That'll do some reduction in, in, in crimes and not only crimes, but quite a bit of stuff. But Hayes, I don't think you responded to me. A lot of our founders, a lot of our pre, a lot of the early people in this that formed this country, their motto of success, their motto to build, their motto to create was the sacking and the murdering of many. Those were very bad things. Are they not the same type of murder? You know, so I mean. What I always tell people when they when they try to assign murder to a particular sect or whatever, I always say they always had good examples. They always had good examples. Eric responds, those criminals are going to turn in their guns and will keep their insurance up. Again, Eric, you're, you went with a question, a further question. What is your answer to the killers that, that um, killed all the natives and killed all the... Uh, black people indiscriminately or whatever. Do you share the same disdain for them that they that that their lives were such a horrendous thing that they does not they do not deserve a reprieve? I want an answer for that. In other words, you you want those people that committed a, that, that that people believe they killed somebody and put them in jail. You don't want them to even have the opportunity for a bond. Okay, good. So I would imagine that all those generals that didn't kill under war, that just killed because they wanted the gold, we should remove them from our history books as heroes. I think we, I, I agree with you there. Thank you. At least you're consistent. You're consistent. Thank you, brother. Appreciate that. Anyhow, let's go ahead and continue with our videos. Our third video is, well, let me just set it up. A Republican attempted to uh, give some sort of a real legs to the critical race theory debate as if it's really something that grew organic. The American people are now concerned with this thing that's going to make certain people feel guilty or make certain feel people feel bad about themselves or about our country. And, you know, he tries, he tries hard to make it look like there's something substantive here. And uh, Cornell Belcher did a good job in refuting him immediately. I want you to take a look at this, and then uh, we'll take it on the other side, because this is how you have to handle these issues. Is not having, though, a unified sort of, you say it's sort of, it, it, what are the issues that the party stands for? Right? That seems to be the missing piece here. Um, yeah, and specific to this idea of critical race theory, I have to tell you, I just spent some time reporting on this county in Virginia about an hour outside of Washington. And, and to your point, this is something that is mobilizing people and resonating very deeply. It was about a 100-degree day, dozens and dozens and dozens of parents, mostly white in this largely affluent county, showed up to a school board meeting. For many of them, the very first school board meeting they'd ever attended, specifically because of this one issue. That's important to note, it, it, that 
You mentioned critical race theory a couple times. This is a parent-led backlash at the grassroots level. It's, and it's manufactured. No, it's, the it's completely. And, it, and then sort of elected officials seems to have been lit. The fire was lit. I disagree. Yeah. I think it started because p parents have had it with the education bureaucracy after COVID. Mm -hmm. They're fed up with it. They tend to trust Democrats when it comes to education funding, but they trust Republicans on education accountability. I think that what the backlash you're seeing on critical race theory in schools is another example of parents trying to hold educators accountable. It's coordinated. It's aggressive. It's intentional, right? This is this is part of the the, the tribalism play. The critical race theory is is yet another tool in the in the, in the racial tribal boogeyman's toolbox to drive and inflame tribalism, which Republicans think thinks helps them in, in, in elections. This is this is this is Trump 2.0. This is a, is is a continuation of this, right? Critical race theory is is an arcane sort of ideal. Why is it front and center right now? The same reason that Mitch McConnell attacked Stacey Abrams when she came out for the, for, the vote, for the voting bill. It is racial. It is tribalism. We've seen it grow under Trump, and this is part and partial of it, and they think this helps ignite their base. There's no way this is not grassroots, and Brad, you know this is organized and is being paid for. But, you know, Ashley... We're not very good at organizing or anything on our side. Like, you it, all it, it, are better than us. <laughs> Yes, and as much as you claim you guys are not good at organizing stuff, you are better. And in effect, this critical race theory thing came out of nowhere. These things, but let's test this and see if it works. And you know what? It works because, again, when you have a scared population that somehow thinks they have to, that somehow somebody's going to blame them for what their ancestors did, or somehow. Things are going to get out of whack that we see that we're not as pure as we think we are. We're going to somehow see the truth. And as much as it's not real critical race theory specifically that's being taught in these elementary and middle school and high school, what's being taught is just American history, right? And American history, if you get real American history, you learn what really happened in America. Chuck Todd, when he started out, he said, it's manufactured, and I wanted to give kudos Big kudos for Chuck for saying that, but he allowed the Republican to overpower him and say, oh, no, I disagree with you, and start saying it. But Colonel Belcher didn't allow that. He went ahead and he pointed it out, and at that point you could see the Republican had to say, <laughs> but we are not as good as that. We are not good at organizing anything and realizing that he was caught. Very good. We always must call this thing out. Right away, we can't allow this to metastasize the way we allowed under Obamacare throwing your grandma off the shelf or off the cliff did. Every single action requires an immediate reaction and then an action above that. In other words, we don't play defense only. We play defense as we move into offense. Absolutely. So, you know, I'm doing another uh, piece on critical race theory off of a piece that I saw on, I think it was on MSNBC. And, and, and it was, they, they were asking uh, two, uh, two black professors about critical race theory. One was for it, one was against it, right? And, you know, it's, it's amazing because um, the, art, the discussion went past critical race theory. And I, I'm, I'm just going to say a little piece of it here. And then I'll explain it more when I do the video. But here's what gets me. The, uh, one, of, one of these professors wanted to say, he took this, the Republican position. Bringing these things back up uh, again is what uh, keeps it on, on people's minds and it slows down progress and that sort of thing. 
But we have to remember two things, and I'm going to use this in the video as well, right? They got into the issue of critical race theory as far as how uh, systemic racism is a part of this country and nobody wants to, or they, they don't want to accept it. And then they went into reparations and he said how dangerous reparations would be because it'll, it'll you know, put people, get people upset, that sort of thing. And I don't know if people realize, but slave owners, many slave owners received reparations. In other words, when their slaves were released, the government paid them. Think about that. The slave owner held the slaves as property. The laws were changed that said you couldn't hold uh, black folk as slaves anymore. So therefore, the government compensate the businesses, the slave owners, for the slaves. And guess who didn't get anything? The slaves who, some were promised a 40 acres and a mule, but that's not yet even close to being enough. They didn't even get that. They got niet, nothing. Now, people say, well, you know, that happens in life, etc. Yeah. But when we, when we sit back and think on things like, wait a minute. If we look and we say in America, a, uh, the average white family makes ten t uh, has 10 times more wealth than the average black family, people can look at that two ways. There's something inherently wrong with black families or there's something inherently superior to white families. Of course, what we really have is one folk, one guy's starting in the dugout and another group starting on first and second and third base. And how did they get on first and second and third base? Was it their fault? You know, people today who, who don't want to talk uh, this sort of a history, right? They will say things like, um, well, you know, look at Oprah or look at all, all these people. The exception, they always like to use the exception. Look, I think the way you teach these things, you don't sit, I don't sit down here and blame today's white people for the lack of wealth of black people, of Latinos, etc. You can't do that. You can't put blame. And that's, you know, that is the biggest, that, that, that is not the fear of the, the plutocracy. The plutocracy wants you to believe that somehow there's going to be penalization for today's white people on these issues. That's not the case. The smart thing, which is the real thing, is the following. White people of today in the aggregate are not responsible for the systemic problems of racism. It was cooked into this society. It was built into this society. That's why it is systemic. For those people who want to say racism is not systemic, what they're trying to say then is all you white people right now or currently a whole bunch of racists that continues. Well, you know, we still have pe people that are racist. Don't get me wrong now. But what I'm saying is by not acknowledging it is a systemic thing, they are individually faulting you. And 
I what I am yet to find is the people who are talking about when when people attack CRT or systemic racism. I don't understand why nobody is making this argument that if you don't accept that it's systemic racism, you're accepting individual white people or I mean as a whole are bad because it's either systemic or the other. I choose to say it is systemic. Everybody have racist in their in their in their in their category. You know, race is goofy, right? But their pigmentation level. And let me tell you a dirty little secret. If you notice, Miranda got in trouble because even in the Latino community, hey, I'm Latino. I didn't see a whole lot of me in the Miranda movies because the same issue is all over the place. So I mean, instead of looking at it as an individual basis, we look at it as a as a basis in which this is where a system has been created that castize people based on pigmentation. And that is what we have to eradicate. And in eradicating that, we have to be honest. We have to be honest. And when, first of all, the first part of honesty is to making sure everybody understands that what our forefathers brought down with white supremacy is wrong. We know genetically and everything else that we are all the same. Pigmentation is one of the least things that define us bio, that defines us biologically. So once we get that out of the way, we can start handling the systemic issues. But there are those who don't want to handle the systemic issues because capitalism and our economics, economic system depend on there being a gradation in people so that instead of looking at the economic system as the bastard that it is, as the one that's causing our problems, they can actually generate friction between sects, different groups, and by doing that, we take our eyes off of the ball. Hey, check out my book, man. I do some of that explaining inside of how to make America utopia. So, I mean, the truth of the matter is, brothers and sisters, let me tell you something. We must cap to systemic racism. I am not going, and, and, and to my white brothers and sisters, I am not copying to your forefathers what your forefathers done on you. I imagine I have some forefathers that have done some interesting things as well. Okay? But you need to be a part of the solution. You need to act, actively engage. And to my white brothers and sisters, you have to engage with your white brothers and sisters that I can't get to because as soon as they see my hue, I have to first overcome that to talk to them. So it is your job. It is your job that good people that you are listening to politics done right for you to also do your part. We need you to do your part because that is how we are going to make America Utopia, really. If we solve if we solve those problems, then they won't be able to use all these things later on to separate us. You see, that is their biggest fear. That's why I have an interview with uh, 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 that I did this morning. I'm going to play it probably Wednesday or Thursday with a guy who realizes this as well. So we have to be smart on these issues. Um. Let me go ahead and play the Ali Velshi uh, piece. It's 10 minutes 41. I think I have enough time for that. I'm going to miss one video. I'll play that one tomorrow. Let's go ahead and do the Ali Velshi. 
Or should I do the short one and do a Livelshi tomorrow? Uh, I'm going to do the long one. Let's take, let's do it. Remember that story where two black kids, one valedictorian, salutatorian, and then the parents of the white kids went complained and they decided to have a co-valedictorian and a co-salutatorian? Well, Halle Velshi decided to go exactly the place of the crime. And when he got there, he had a very civil, educational conversation with the parents. And I tell you what, if we did more of what Ali did, if the media was honest in the way uh, people like Ali and a few others tackle real problems where they actually get discourse and communication, we will get real far in America. I want you to listen to this, and then let's take it on the other side because I have some additional comments that I want to make. Do you all understand how dangerous what's going on right now is and how this could lead to somebody getting hurt or even killed? There's a very irresponsible article from the New York Times that came out. If you read the article, there's some substance to it, but the headline and the first few paragraphs paint it as something that it's not. The, the media criticism won't be edited out. The thing with white privilege, not everyone sees it. And so you, you may feel like you, you may not have it. And that's fine, but yes, if you I understand hold, what you're saying, yeah. but if you hold a certain name, that means something. Or if you can pick up a phone and make a phone call, that means something. It's the optics of it all. The families are not threatening each other. It's the outside people giving this energy, and I get it. It's when you can pick up a phone and say, "Hey, this is not right." But I can't pick up a phone and say, "Hey, this isn't right." It just is what it is. There is a context here because this is one of a handful of states that in the in the 60s and, and into the early 70s went with these segregated academies because people didn't want to integrate. That's part of why the construct of what we think about exists. And, and I wanted to come here to ask you yourselves, does that exist? You've heard the quote, if you tell a lie long enough and loud enough, the people will believe it. Um, these journalists know what happened. They know a mistake was made and they choose to divide for the sake of a click on an article. There's no story in honest mistake made in West Point, Mississippi. Is there some uneasiness around race relations in West Point right now and across our country? Yes. And it's but you understand that's a piece of privilege to call it uneasiness, right? Because uh, I've spent the year talking to people who are scared for their lives. It's not uneasiness to them. So okay. that's, the, that's the part of it that's the privilege, right? You're not incorrect, but for you, it's uneasiness. For some people, it feels like life or death. A hundred percent. I understand exactly what you're saying. Do you feel like this is a relatively harmonious place where people get treated fairly despite the color of their skin? It just depends on the situation. If he walked by, he'll speak, I'll speak. There, there's no, you know, <laughs> mad tension and things like that here. But again, the underlining privilege is still here. When you have families that um, have had industry here with privilege, there's money, there's influence. That is definitely here. I grew up very, very not wealthy or rich or anything, and, and my children have not grown up wealthy or rich or anything either. Allie, what she's talking about is uh, something that was reported in the New York Times, and it suggested that Emma's relationship to one of the co-founders of Brian Foods somehow had something to do with this. The suggestion is that a man that died in 1968 somehow from the grave influenced this. He left a legacy here. Certain families, last name, still has influence. And you may not see it, but me being black, 
I see it. So just to cut right through, you're saying that that may have influenced the the response from the school superintendent. That's my feeling and my understanding. Yes. Yes. I understand what you're saying, but we didn't use that. My daughter earned this by her merit only. But I'm being honest with you. This was nothing underhanded on you. Like, well, we deserve this more than you do. If your daughter had, had, if they'd have gone by QPA and you won, I would have shook her hand, I'd have hugged her neck, I'd have done whatever. I'd have been just as proud of her. I want both of you to hear me say, you don't have to say your last name. Sometimes things are just unconscious and kind of given sometimes. So I understand that you probably did not go into that office saying who your family is, and you don't have to. The overall picture is two black girls were given credit for having A's and B's, or AB, from 8th to 12th grade. They were given a score that included rigorous courses along with regular courses. Based on that number, they were the highest two. Then, when they were given that award, and I'm just telling you the optics of it. Yes, ma'am, I get it. And then when they were given that award, a phone call was made, just a phone call, right? And a meeting was given to, to add grace, do some other things, and all of a sudden things changed. And now Val and Sal is being shared by two white students that were basing their GPA off of regular unweighted grades. And to appease everyone, let's go back to let's have one word. So thank you for offering that. That's wonderful. But I'm, it's the optics of what it looks like. And so people are angry, of course, news articles, but that's the picture that they're seeing. There's so much to unpack there, but the, the first part I want to, I want to give Ali Velshi a lot of credit because first of all, he allowed the people to speak to each other. He sometimes stayed out of the discussion so that there could be real understanding among people. But the second thing he did is where he needed to check the narrative that one of the parents gave when he said, yes, there is some racial uneasiness. Ali Velshi corrected that. He said to you, "This." let me explain a little bit of privilege to you. It could be that you feel uneasy, but that is the only thing you have, an uneasy feeling. But to others, to people of color, much of this to them is scary and existential. We're not only talking about the grades, we're talking about the privilege to have the impact that one can have. In this case, uh, and, and, and the, one of the parents of the, the original valedictorian uh, and salutatorian said it perfectly. She said, there are certain things that don't have to be said. When, uh, when a bush walk into the room, she doesn't have to say, I am a bush, give me some sort of benefit. And yes, not all the times it's racial, sometimes it's class, many other issues. But in too many cases, and in many cases where it has been life or death, yes, many times it is racial as well. It was also wonderful for uh, the, 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 both parents to point out that from their point of view, their kids work hard for something, and that's true. All four kids worked hard. But those two black kids did something that many uh, constantly tell black folk and other folks who have, uh, for historical reasons, not a gotten the accomplishments, work harder, do more. And these girls did that. They took the harder courses. 
they did all that was asked of them. And appropriately so, QAP was used. Somebody taking simple algebra compared to somebody taking differential equations, one is substantially more dif difficult and substantive than the other and should be weighted higher. And that is what was done. So in order, and, and, and one of the parents said it, in order to appease, and remember, remember what direction appeasement goes into. When she says, some people get the opportunity to make a call. That's all they have to do. Make a call and changes are made. In the case of the original valedictorian and salutatorian, the other parents made a call. They got a change. Nobody called the original valedictorian and salutatorian to say, uh, come to the school, We've ha let's discuss this. A change was made without them and they weren't even given the dignity to, inform to be informed. They had to go after hearing it through the grapevine and find out what happened. Otherwise, they would have showed up at the graduation and not realize that they were sharing an award unjustly. Folks, this is a learning experience. And if you watch how Ali Velchi dealt with it, with open eyes, allowing everyone to communicate, and also for the viewer to see things as they are, because everybody there, they were honest, and they said what they felt. They said what they believe. Whether what they believe was less than accurate or not, again, uh, one person's uneasiness is one person's existential fear. Let's remember that. Very good job, Ali Velchi. All right, folks, I don't have time for the last video. In fact, the show is pretty much over. So I just want to remind all my dear brothers and sisters, you can support us via Patreon by going politicsdoneright.com slash Patreon, politicsdoneright.com slash Patreon. You can also support us via PayPal. We need it real bad, politicsandright.com slash PayPal, politicsandright.com slash PayPal. You can also support us by joining. If you're on YouTube, click that join button. Click that join button, become a member. We need you to keep this going. Please go ahead and click on politicsandright.com slash YouTube if you don't see that join button or if you're on another platform. And uh, let's see, Eric, thank you for the show. I hope you're a member, Eric. And let's see. Uh, it's, it's, it's the equivalent of a cup of coffee, Eric. Uh, let's see. Uh, politicsandright.com slash store. Politicsandright.com slash store is where you can get our books. Or you can also go to politicsandright.com slash books. Politicsandright.com slash books. Folks, I know you can be anywhere. I want this to be an open space for everybody. My progressives, my liberals, my conservatives, my right-wingers, my left-wingers, my everything. Because this is where we have a conversation. This is where we respect everyone. And this is where we give an opportunity for everyone to say their piece. Don't forget, sign up for our... Um, if you are if you're a member, sign up for our Saturday at 10 o'clock meeting on the first week of July. Don't forget... 
don't forget to sign up, members. This is for our good old members. Sign up for our Saturday. Um, I know it's kind of early, but sign up for it anyhow. My name is Egberto Willies. This is Politics Done Right, and you know how I end this baby. I am what? Out! We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.